Welcome to the Snowboarding Podcast, All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Snowboarding. I'm Chris Rogers. And I'm Nick Alfieri. This is the podcast where myself and Chris talk about all the life lessons we've learned from snowboarding, not just the good ones, but some of the struggles we've had along the way. So please stay tuned for this week's episode. Okay, here we are. Episode, uh, what episode are we on? 14. <laughs> yeah, episode 14. It is kind of crazy to think that. How many months ago was it? Four months ago? Five? How many months ago did we actually sit down to re- record our first three episodes, which we then threw away? I think that was like six months ago, our three secret episodes that don't exist anymore. Yep, that is true. They only exist on your computer, and they will never <laughs> be listened to by anyone. Yeah, um, but here we are, episode 14. Uh, last week was top tips for level one this week is top tips for level two uh going over our personal obviously this isn't any division specific or anything like that just from our experience in exams things we see people have have struggles with or whether it's concepts whether it's writing wh- whatever it falls into top tips that we've seen along the way so um chris in your years of experience what do you find are some some of the key issues people have issues with at level two Level two is a big step up as an exam. And I think a lot of the things that we see at level two exams uh, are related to coming through new hire training, coming through the level one process, which is still mostly a clinic, and then going into the level two where it really is an exam. And so preparation is key. Instructors' knowledge of of the standard of what's expected from them, of having experience with intermediate lessons is a key piece. And then just looking at a higher level of specificity in writing and ability to control movements and make those demos are a couple of the key areas I see. What about you? Yeah, I think you, you hit on something there, which was in the writing, some some key movements, some key demos, getting a lot more specific with certain things we want to be able to show our students or be able to demonstrate. There's also, it's, it is a step up, a pretty big step up, in my opinion, the level one to level two gap is is a big jump it's no small thing and obviously two to three is a huge gap as well but it's definitely a step up and some, something i see people coming into is not quite getting the level two step up in movement analysis that's a big step up like a lot of people we go from just watching some general beginners on the hill or something like that or even in some divisions like a picture test where it's like a freeze frame picture here pick out the primary board performance pick out the primary movement what's the most flexed joint whatever it might be then going to okay here we go real time on the snow watch this rider tell me two phases of the turn they have an issue with tell me your progression to fix that tell me um is where does it fall in the board performances they're struggling with like there's so much more in depth and the biggest thing for practicing for level two is being being able to link cause and effect for movement analysis between at least minimum two phases of a turn. At level one, we look a lot at a still picture, kind of in this one moment, what would you fix? Level two is about getting used to seeing cause and effect through time. This body movement does something here, it affects the board later in time here, and then that later effect of the board causes this outcome later on. I think that's really hard for level two people to wrap their head around. Movement analysis is is really key there. And we talked last week about hitting that moment where you realize that it applies to everything and how once you see this, you can't unsee it. Once you learn how to do movement analysis, you can't undo it. And there's a big step from being able to do that on a still image to doing it at the level at the level two, 
where we really want to see your ability to understand through multiple phases of the turn and how one piece of the turn affects another piece of the turn, how body movements affect each other, how the body affects the equipment and how that affects the turn outcome. There's a lot more specificity at the level two NA and equally at the teach. At the level one, we're looking in the beginner zone and you know, you're looking at that level one through four, like first turns ever is really all we're evaluating at the level one. And level two, we're into the intermediate zone. And that means the scope of what you should be able to comfortably teach grows exponentially. Yeah. And I think people go into that level two too quickly, too early before they actually have the teaching experience to, to cash the check that they're writing. And you need, I mean, in that intermediate zone, we're talking blues into like easy black terrain. We're talking bumps. We're talking ability to, to carve instead of skid and knowing how to teach someone how to set an edge instead of just to skid the board. We're getting into uh, more dynamic or most flexed edge change movement patterns, starting to be able to move yeah. that that unweighting movement pattern, changing from an up, up unweighting to a down unweighting. Like there's the, the scope of the information you need to know at the level two is exponentially larger than level one. Yeah, with, with some of the teaching stuff you talk about, there's a lot of teaching higher levels, more complicated tasks, things like that. What would you say overall teaching technique, maybe not so much skill or terrain or task or something like that that gets more difficult at level two? What about the actual lesson delivery do you think gets more difficult at the level two? I think the number one thing that gets more difficult at level two is our expectation for you to manage the group and the individual within the group. So at a level two, we're starting to look at learning styles, at your ability to understand and manage multiple intelligences, yeah. that you basically are going to have some level of understanding of the student profile and, and that you are going to meet your guests and you're going to customize your lesson based on that guest and that individual. Yeah. And, and it, the, I mean, at the level two, it's still a pretty basic level of that. But at a level one, we're pretty okay with you copying the lesson that your trainer gave you for during your new hire training. And that's what you're going to go deliver out at Christmas. And that's what you're going to do is, is teach that lesson you were taught. And level two, you're starting to realize there's a few lessons out there and you're choosing the lesson that's going to relate to the student in front of you. And so you're doing a little bit of that, that people skills world. You're like introducing yourself. You're getting to know the guests and you're going, okay, this guest is an engineer and they're a little bit more science driven. And so maybe a little bit more of a, a math approach is going to help this guest, right? Starting to understand that, that motivation and learning style of the guest and tailoring your lesson to that. Yeah, that's awesome that you talk about the level one, we're okay if you copy what your new hire trainer gave you. Level two, we're looking at your ability to choose from different tools people have given you to kind of form like Lego brick, <laughs> your own creation lesson up. And then obviously level three, getting into creation, like copy, that copy, choose, create model is really good for level two with level two being the choose. Something I see with the level two teach is indirect teaching. People come with a, with a bad grasp of what true indirect teaching is. And you see a lot, we always talk about guided mystery yeah. <laughs> instead of guided discovery. And guided mystery obviously being, or, or I should start actually with guided discovery. Guided discovery being when you're taking the student through a set of exercises that help them discover something specific that you knew what that was or set out for them to discover from the beginning of those exercises from the beginning of those exercises. Whereas guided mystery, we see a lot of level twos come in and they say, we're just gonna go 
play with these exercises and they're trying to do guided discovery, but they don't have a, a specific endpoint they're trying to get to. And it just turns into this kind of open mess where nothing good ever comes out of it or nothing specific, whether it's a skill or, or a specific type of turn they're trying to get to to teach that student. I see that as something that I see a lot of level two struggle with. I would agree with that. I think indirect teaching styles, we expect to see them at level two, but they can be a little bit of a hand grenade when you don't handle them right. And, and you know, indirect teaching is super important, but if you set up a paired learning environment, but don't ever tie that back together, that's not true reciprocal. If you don't create yeah, a learning yeah. environment between the two partners, that's not actually reciprocal learning. Yeah. And a lot of people go that route. They go into guided mystery or they go into, oh, I'm going to set up this reciprocal task now. Yeah. And it's just two people riding together and they don't actually create a conversation or they don't set up an environment where those two people are learning from each other. So it's not actually a true reciprocal environment. Dude, that's, that's so one of my pet peeves yeah. is reciprocal learning is only true when information is being exchanged between the two students back and forth and they're learning from each other. Just setting up a thing where two people are partners is not reciprocal teaching. And that that is a huge pet peeve of mine. I really, really struggle with that. Yeah, and you see that a lot at the level two. People know they're supposed to do it, but they maybe don't know why or how or what they're actually doing with it. Yeah, so maybe maybe to, to, to summarize a little bit, level two teaching is about making sure you know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and kind of having a clear objective you're getting to and have a, have a reason behind the exercises you're doing. It's really easy to get lost if you don't. It's really funny, Nick, just talking about this is throwing me back to two weeks ago when we were in fall conference and talking about learning outcomes. And we hit on it a little bit in our podcast two weeks ago about the wrap-ups from fall training and fall conference. But learning outcomes is the project we're in to start to translate what we do into academic speak so that we can get our certifications aligned with the academic process and potentially get accreditation from universities so that you can go out and get a college degree that includes resort management and includes PSIA and ASI as part of that. Yeah. But those learning outcomes, the whole, the end result of that project, like our goal of that project is to align with academia part of the end result of that project is better defined outlines, criteria, activities, and a performance guide that says this is what you need to do to be successful and this is what an, an unsuccessful candidate might do. And just as we talk about this, I'm just, my brain's going back to the learning outcomes and to that project because one of the things that's going to happen out of that project is more defining answers to top tips to level two and level three and yeah. how, how to be successful at these. And what we're talking about is essentially some of the items that are going to come out in that project. Yeah, totally. That's, it, it is cool to see that we're moving in that direction of transparency, <laughs> right. And, and really kind of defining what we're looking at, um, for, for level, level two, there's one part we haven't talked about yet, which is the writing portion, which a lot of people who are listening probably <laughs> want to hear, um, something I notice for the riding is flex the edge change movement pattern. That that to me is the biggest killer at level two. And specifically the heel to toe turn. A lot of people have a really good flex the edge change or you might hear it referred to as a down unweighted turn where they uh, are really good at making that movement uh, from toe to heel, but heel to toe 
it's typically late a lot of times, so they actually flatten the snowboard, then sink down, and maybe it's a slight extension of the knees, flatten the snowboard, then sink down or something like that, which, which actually isn't the movement pattern we're looking for. So making sure your flexitative change movement pattern from heel to toe would be my one. If I had one piece of advice for someone going to a level two exam, that would be it. I think, yeah, I would agree with that. Movement patterns vertically, managing pressure vertically yep. is a huge piece at level two. And, and at the level one, all, all we really look at is that most extended at edge change or basic turn, mm-hmm. up on weighted turn, where you're moving your center mass up and over on the board. And it's the it's the basic snowboard move. It's what we all do when we're riding lazy. It's, a, it's an efficient way to ride basic tasks. And as we move into that level two, we want to see that most, most flexive edge change. We want to see you moving your center mass towards the snowboard which you might call dynamic in some divisions or um, a most flexive edge change or a down weighted turn, but moving the center mass towards the snowboard, which is a much more active, much more uh, quick unweighting of the snowboard to, to allow you to change edges. And, um, you know, and then getting to level three, we start looking a lot more at retraction. And in that level two zone, we're starting to, starting to get more active is a big, a big area where we see people not be successful. And then similar to the level one, I think the other area we see people struggle at level two is that consistent edge set carve. And at level two, we're looking often at a large radius carve turn. And where at the level one, you got a little bit of wiggle room in that initiation of the turn where we're going to try to coach you up and help you maybe shift your weight a little bit aft so you can lock that that edge in. Yeah. At level two, you need to be able to hold a clean edge set in ideal conditions locking that nice smooth pencil line in the snow to show that carve. And like you said last week, the track in the snow doesn't lie, right? Yeah, totally. So you come into a level two and and you need to be able to be comfortable setting that edge and letting the snowboard steer the turn. And that's, I think so much of it is the lack of control that that intermediate snowboarders feel in, in carving, right? Is setting the edge, letting the snowboard turn. And you're not doing a ton of shaping in that you're you're shaping through flex and extension and managing pressure on the snowboard mm-hmm. not through rotary movements and people struggle with that at the level two yeah the ability to really close a turn on a little bit steeper terrain to control speed through that steering you're talking about that can be really really difficult for a level two one more thing i would i would throw in there is bumps tend to start to get get people at level two but it comes back to that flex uh that flex and edge change movement pattern in the bumps is really hard to wrap your head around that with some separation with with maybe the shoulders leading or the shoulders staying a little bit more down the fall line allowing the legs to finish the turn that would be the secondary piece of that for the bumps but that's that's really all i got for level two chris i think the last thing i would throw in there is and i mentioned it earlier but just being prepared for the exam at level one it's still so much of it is a clinic it's a welcome into our industry and the level two is where we first start to see people say, well, I'm just going to go for the exam. Yeah. Don't just go for the exam. Train. Mm-hmm. Prepare for it. It is an exam. It's one of the hardest things I think we do is, is in the examiner role when you see someone who just doesn't have the experience or the knowledge or the, or the ability yet to manage some of those elements. And the clinic leader in us says, oh, I just want to help this person. I want to like... I want to help get them there. And in the level two exam and the level three exam, we just don't have that time to really coach someone up to the level. And it really is more of an exam. And, and I think there's there's something to be said to listening to that voice in your head that says, I'm not quite ready yet. Mm-hmm. And to take an extra couple of weeks, sign up for the next exam, wait for the next season, whatever that is, 
to gain the experience. And it's not so much about the abilities as it is the experience that fills in those gaps to where I've got the experience teaching intermediate snowboarders and I, I know how to adjust my teach, what to look for in the rider, yeah. how to change my own body movements because I've been in front of those groups or because I've taught that lesson so many times. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting you say that because I can think of times when I've given people that advice and I've said, listen, if, if you're unsure and like you're really stressed out about it, and that little voice in your head, you talk about that, that little voice, listen to it. I've also coached people who I felt like it wasn't an issue to, to do the opposite sometimes, which is kind of inter- interesting because they'd be like, well, they just learn best in that environment. They want to know what the exam is like. And I've told people, you know what? If you're fine with whatever result you get, go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Get in that position. See how you function. See how you manage that stress. And you'll know about by the end of that. And it's, it's interesting. What would you say to that argument? Because I've, I've, I've heard myself give both both of those uh, pieces of feedback before. I would agree with that. I, I, I think I have historically done that as well. And, and I would say in the last couple of years, I've swung a little bit more towards the the cautious side of it yeah. because I think, I think people benefit from the additional experience before the exam, mm-hmm. but I've absolutely given people the advice to go for it. And in the key, and you said it, the key is the mindset going into it. Are you someone who is okay failing that exam? And, you know, shout yeah. out back to our, ep- our episode three on shame yeah, <laughs> uh, and some of our other yeah. episodes on like top tips for training for certification yeah. or to improve your writing. Are you the kind of person who can learn from that experience? Because some people, just the way they process emotion, the way they process yeah. failure, that's not going to be a positive experience for them. And they'd be better off waiting a, a few weeks or months or a year until they're ready to go in and crush it. And they're going to have a better experience that way. Other people have that stronger ability to learn through failure mm-hmm. and can go into that experience, not be successful, and use that as fuel to achieve it the, in the future. But it really comes down to that personality. Like, are you a more cautious person? Are you more of a risk taker? Are you okay going in yeah. and and dealing with the feelings of shame that you and I talked about? Yeah. Or do you need to be locked in and know that you are going to go in with a 95% chance of passing that exam? It's, in, it's interesting because you talking, I have failed my way through every certification I've ever taken. <laughs> and my whole entire strategy has been, yeah, send it. Go for it. Failed my level two. I was back in a month and I retook it and I passed it. Then yeah. I failed my level three. I was back in a month, retook it, passed it. You know, like that, that's the way. So maybe I'm speaking from, from how I learn, but I definitely think there are some people out there, myself included, who learn from that failure. And I just have to throw myself in the ringer, get chewed up, <laughs> get spit out and, and, and be like, okay, I'm not upset with anyone, whether it's the examiner or myself or whoever it is, and I'm just going to take the necessary steps to now make it back. And sometimes that actually motivates me. But yeah, maybe depending on what type of person you are, you could could choose your strategy wisely. Yeah. It's a good thing to know about yourself. I mean, get into the kind of we touched on an emotional intelligence side, but yeah. get to know yourself, get to know how you're going to process and learn best yeah. and then pursue that direction. Yeah, Totally. This uh, this episode brought to you by Glenn Sampson from Intermountain Division, who <laughs> bought us both beers in the last week and asked us to do longer episodes. Yeah, he, he said do longer episodes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's us. Top tips for level two. 
Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, and share. Also, if you have any ideas or comments, questions, concerns about anything we do or you would like us to do in the future, you can always reach out to us on Facebook at All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Snowboarding, or you can get in touch with us over email at learnedfromsnowboarding at gmail.com. Next week, we'll be diving into top tips for level three certification to just round out this series. So stay tuned for next week's episode. All I really need to know I learned from snowboarding is a podcast by me, Nick Alfieri. And me, Chris Rogers. If you have thoughts on this week's episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can continue the conversation with us and other listeners on our Facebook page. You can also email us questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to discuss at our email address, learnedfromsnowboarding at gmail.com. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe, write a review, and help others find our show. Thanks for listening.